We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 111. Our guest is an equestrian legend. I am so excited to have her on. She is an American Olympic champion equestrian competing in show jumping. She has two Olympic golds, one silver in team jumping, and an individual bronze. Not to mention so many wins in the Pan American Games, the World Equestrian Games, you name it. She has been there, done that, and done it with so much grace, style, and humility. She is absolutely amazing, and I'm so excited to have her on. I grabbed a bunch of questions that you wanted me to ask her over on my Instagram stories, so make sure you stay till the end of the episode and hear those questions. But without further ado, let me welcome our guest today, BZ Madden. I would love to hear about how you first got into riding. Well, I was born into an equestrian family, so my parents both rode. So since I was born, I was kind of grew up in the going to the barn with them. Started probably riding the sitting on the saddles that were on the saddle rack. <laughs> and uh, my parents were at the Milwaukee Hump Club in in Wisconsin. So nice. I, I grew I grew up right outside of Milwaukee. Oh, you're kidding? Yeah, yeah, uh, like Waukesha County area. Uh, I was in Bayside. Oh, nice. Small world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they had a riding school there, so I was able to start riding there in the riding school and kind of grew from there. You know, my parents, since my parents had horses, that so was a natural thing. I, my brother and I got ponies for Christmas one year, and I think I was maybe four or five, and my brother was six. We took off from there. <laughs> Love it. Oh, that's awesome. So you did the ponies. At, at what point, obviously it was such a big part of your family's life, at what point were you like, I really like, I really want to do this. I want to like go hard. I want this to be my career. Was that early on or as you got older? I mean, I think I always loved it. So if I could do it all my life, I would, that was probably always my dream. I don't think I grew up being real confident rider. So I didn't think, you know, I didn't never really knew if I was going to be good enough or not to do it as a, as a career. But I think I went to college and it was a junior college in Virginia. And at the same time, I rode with Katie Prudent and she was really uh, inspirational for my career, I have to say, and a fantastic teacher and always so complimentary of me. And I think she really gave me the confidence that I did have the ability to go on. So when I graduated from the junior college, she offered me a job as a working student and I took that job. So I think that was really a career that really pointed my career. I went away from college and into the horse business and my parents were willing to support me for a couple more years because that's what they would have done if I went to college. Mm-hmm. And it was a perfect opportunity for me. Wow. Do you feel like, like, how was that transition like for you as, you know, becoming a young rider and a junior rider and then transitioning into being, uh, you know, a little bit more uh, like geared toward your professional career? What would, I mean, it seems like sometimes that transition can be really tough and you have certain expectations for yourself and you definitely have to pay your dues a bit there. What was that transition like for you? I think when I did it, it was a little different than these days. You know, we didn't have so many I say kids, but teenagers, uh, young adults that were 
successful so quickly and, mm-hmm. and, and have a strain of horses so fast. So the natural thing was to go work for a really famous rider, like somebody like Katie, I think, you know, there were people that worked for Leslie. I know Kent worked for Tim Grubb and Leslie, but it, it was, it was a thing. If you got in with one of those trainers or riders, you were, and doing whatever you could. I mean, I did a little, got to learn to do a little teaching. Um, I did some exercise riding. I managed a lot of the equipment, I helped in the barn as much as I could. And, and, and eventually that evolved into Katie getting me horses to show. So I think, wow. yeah, it was really a lot of paying your dues, but at the same time, getting a fantastic education about everything. Yeah. Definitely. Up until that point, had you done much teaching before? Did you ever think that that was going to be like something that you would enjoy? Was the focus always riding? How was that for you? Well, I was riding and in school at the same time, so I didn't have a lot of spare time to do some teaching, but it was, I think it's always, again, it's the natural progression to, you know, being, being able to be successful in this business. I think I always tell our students that you need to learn to teach. And in fact, we try to incorporate that into some of our lessons. They have to come up sometimes with the exercise and they have to demonstrate the exercise and evaluate the others doing the exercise. So we try to try to gradually teach them to be able to teach. You know, it's the way that I've gotten all of my sponsors that I've ever had throughout the years, you know, owners and things like that come through some kind of a, uh, connection with teaching their daughter or themselves or a friend or (laughs) something, you know, so I think it really opens up a lot of opportunities. Yeah, exactly. So you were working as a young professional, starting to get some rides. What were some, what are some moments that stick out in your memory as far as like, you know, definitely like high points and then maybe some, some growing moments that really shaped your career? I mean, I'd have to say, I know my first big opportunity came when I was with Katie and some people named Pam and Michael Duffy approached her about riding their horses. They had like, they had still metal farm at the time and they had owned famous horses such as Calypso and Val de Loire for, for Melanie Smith. And they, they owned horses at the time for Ann Krasinski and they wanted to switch riders and they originally approached Katie and she said that she was too busy with and too committed to the owner she already had. So, but she suggested they try with me and they did. So I think that was, that was fantastic that Katie steered in my way. And I think they really took a, took a big risk probably because I was a young rider. I didn't have hardly anything on my resume at the time. So that was really a huge, another huge opportunity for me. I think another probably major point stepping stone was when I moved from Katie and started working for my current husband, John Madden. You know, I've been with Katie for five, maybe six years. And, you know, other than the horses that she had gotten me with Still Metal Farm, the horses were all sent to Katie for her to ride, basically. And so in order to become, I think, the rider that I wanted to be, I had to step out and be go to a place where I would be the rider. And Mm -hmm. um, John had quite a small business at the time. He was really a sales business. And again, it was a big risk. And 
kind of a scary risk yeah <laughs> leaving Katie and going to work for him but as you can see it's worked out the, the his business gradually evolved into more and more having more and more owners that would keep horses and throughout the years we ended up having a lot of success so it was turned out to be a good move but it was a little risky and probably took a few years before we really got going but it was time to do that yeah definitely I think that another you know big part of your training program is your horses are amazing. And I feel like you do such a great job at bringing young horses along and really showing them off well and watching, you know, just like watching them grow and learn with you is so cool. What do you look for in a horse? And that kind of works well for you. And, and what, what would you recommend to others who are looking for horses, the type of, you know, character traits and, and specific things that you look for? Yeah, I think I've been lucky through the years. Um, I've always had a lot of help with both picking out the horses and having some financial backing behind me, particularly in the last 15, 20 years. Before that, we were scrimping and scraping and and trying to put together uh, groups to buy horses. And I think we were pretty successful with that. But I'd say... You know, a young horse, obviously the jumping ability is part of it, but mm-hmm. there's so many things that go into making a big, a good horse. I think there's soundness, there's temperament, there's jumping ability, carefulness, ability to health, you know, like mm-hmm. they need to be able to travel around and eat different food and be able to put up with sometimes going down city streets, uh, being yeah. there. There's so many things. So what we look for when we're looking for horses is you know the jumping ability is the first thing that strikes you when you either watch a video or see a horse jump but I think we like a type of horse that looks like a classy horse just to start with they have a nice big eye they have it doesn't have to be a confirmation type head but they have to have a nice really classy looking face and expression Uh and then we like a little bit lighter type horse generally which I think I think there's less and less heavy horses bred these days. So (laughs) you tend to see more lighter thoroughbred types these days. And then, you know, you just have to, when I get on and I get a feeling of a horse and I, and I really like the feeling of the horse, whether it's the way he responds to the riding or the way he jumps, you know, there has to be something special about that horse that you think, oh, it's going to, it's going to be really special for in this category and all the other categories, you know, soundness, uh, temperament and everything else always are all in the plus side too. So it's, it's, it's definitely a conglomerate definitely. Of, uh, of traits and, and abilities, but, and obviously the vet has the final say in whether the horse is, seems healthy enough, but it's, it's really a feeling that you get. I know somebody once said when you when you walk into the uh, room full of people how hard is it to spot the the woman or the man that you're most attracted to and it's like that with a horse you know they have to they have to really strike you as maybe it's not the most beautiful but it's the most attractive horse to you yeah yeah that's a good point do you have and this like that this is so unfair for me to ask but do you have a favorite or like a horse of a lifetime that you feel like you've you've really never clicked with another horse but this one before I don't know I've had, <laughs> I've been so lucky but I have to say you know authentic was probably my first and most successful horse yeah. and we got him in six and I believe 
I knew him since he was three or four years old. He was at uh, Johan Heinz stable when he was, at least when he was four. And we used to see him all the time because we go there when we look at horses, that's always where we start. And Johan takes us around other places. If we ever went to Europe to show, we were at his stable to base out of. So I actually knew the horse and rode the horse a few times. We had some clients try him. Aww. And then, uh, eventually when he was six, Elizabeth Bushberg was wanted to buy me a horse and he was a perfect fit for her because he was beautiful she loved hunters yeah and uh, he was beautiful and he was already a winner at age six so um we really didn't know that he was an olympic horse at the time but wow does but uh he just kept doing it when we every time he stepped up a level it was easy for him and he did it and he won and he was pretty special just because he was our first one took us to the first olympic games first you know and first medals at Olympic Games and World Championships. And uh, he was a real winner all through the year too. So he was special, but you know, I've had, I mean, Cortez had probably the most, he made a meter 60 course feel like a schooling jumper course. Oh, so, <laughs> cool. so he made my job really easy. Simon was such a trier and a winner. Via Volo, you know, she was quite small, but really mighty and yeah. <laughs> wanted to do the job. And Derry Lou, and now I have Brightling who won the World Cup final, and I have a young horse now, Garant. He's not that young anymore, he's nine, but he seems really special too. So we've had him since he was, I think we bought him in the fall of a six year old year, so that's pretty neat too. Yeah, amazing. I would love to take a minute and talk about our sponsor today, Just World International. The equestrian sport is fortunate to be filled with so many who can make a difference in this world. And at a time when that difference is more important than ever, Just World International is how we as equestrians can change the world. 18 years ago, Just World started as a way for riders from around the world to continue to do what they love while riding for a cause. Now thousands of riders have come together to raise funds and awareness for education and nutrition programs that assist for more than 9,000 children who desperately need the help. To learn more about how you can help, visit JustWorldInternational.org or find them on social media at JustWorldInternational and you'll see just how easy it is to do what you love, ride for a cause, and change lives forever. Thank you so much, Just World International. All right, let's get back to the episode. What's your process like at home when you are, you're starting to gear up for a show and you are, let's say it's at the end of the week and we are at like a Monday, Tuesday. What does you, what does your week typically look like? Generally, if the horses, especially if they're coming off a week or two break, we would probably jump them once or twice, maybe once uh, on a, a Wednesday or a Thursday, because generally we take Monday off. So Tuesday you'd want to work them a little either Wednesday or Thursday, we do like a jump over some, not too big fences, but a little working on rideability. Mm-hmm. And then probably another flat day on Friday. And then a little bit, maybe, maybe a little bit bigger school, but I'm not, we never, we hardly ever jump as big as we would in the ring at sure. home, yeah. but um, a little more gymnastic and a little more trying to work on how they're actually jumping on a Saturday and Sunday would be a light day and they probably travel on a Monday or Tuesday. 
Mm-hmm. When you are at home doing some exercises in the ring, yeah, you were saying, obviously, you're not jumping full height at home very often, but what are, what are some of your favorite exercises you like to put together, whether that's, you know, pole work or cavaletti or some small jumping exercises? What are some of your favorites? I love to do a lot with poles on the ground. And a lot of times, you know, the real basic thing is we'll put three poles in a straight line, each of them 45 feet apart. So you can do three strides in between them, or you can do four strides. And then I like to combine them and do four strides and then three strides and then go from, you know, so you do practice going from short to long and long yeah. to short. The long to short is the hardest, but yeah. uh, most of my horses can do three strides and then five strides between those rails. And then you can always venture off and do a little more complicated to put a bending, you know, a rail on the ground that's a bending line, you know, anything to simulate a course. And then sometimes we put those just a little bit off the ground too, which makes it a little harder and gives them a little bit of fitness for jumping. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and then most of the jumping is individualized for what the horse needs, you know, if they need a little short gymnastic, it's always nice to do like three verticals in a row at, at you know, probably start at 20 feet, but we might be able to, if you have a horse that's really used to it, we might shorten it up to 18 feet. You know, it really depends on the horse. Some need to be stretched out a little bit over some oxers and it, it's, you know, we're lucky we don't have high volume we can work on and really do what each horse needs individually. Definitely. Let's rewind a little bit because I want to talk about your Olympic different, I guess, You've had because you've had a couple. You have experienced something that a lot of riders dream about their whole lives. Is that was that an aspiration from the beginning? Was that something that you thought was like going to happen for you and be super realistic, or was it something a little bit later on that you're like, okay, this this is this could happen? Um, I think you know every little girl that rides try maybe dreams about going to the Olympic Games, but sure. like I said. I never knew if I would have the ability even to do it as a professional, much less go to the Olympic Games. So I think once I obviously chose this as a profession, that was really one of my goals. And it took it took quite a while. I did my first Olympic Games when I was 40, I think. So, you know, it, it, it took years of developing the relationship with owners and, and clients that made it possible for me to make it to that but yeah it's it's unbelievable the first I think the first Olympic Games in Athens we had a team of five people that had never been to Olympic Games before so wow that was pretty cool that we ended up with the gold there I think we had two nine-year-old horses in Authentic and Sapphire so it was I don't think we were heavy favorites going in so that was pretty <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I and mean, what, what are some moments that kind of stick out in your head from those first Olympic Games? I think probably, you know, just arriving there and seeing the scale of the Olympic Games. I mean, you're, you're there and there's dressage. I think dressage and eventing were already there. So the size of the venue was, was really vast. They had numerous exercise areas. The arena was huge. And I think just being involved with the whole Olympic movement you know you 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 first you go and you go for an orientation and you get your clothes and you realize there's a you know a contingent of 300 and some athletes from the U.S. going to and then you get there and you're watching the medal count you think yeah maybe I could be part of that too you hope you're part of that and uh you know I think it's 
it it takes our sport to uh, another level. And I think uh, that's pretty cool to be involved with something the whole country's watching and and being having a stake in. How much time did you have for uh, for that first Olympic Games in Athens? How much time were you there to settle in and get the horses settled in? I don't remember exactly, but probably three or four days before okay. the jog. Yeah. Not a lot of time. <laughs> oh, I think generally if we can throughout the years, the plan has been just to to go in and have the horses fresh and healthy and then you know and get out especially if it's in a climate that we think is not that friendly to horses which Mm -hmm. a lot of times you know the Olympic Games can be in a hot hot climate and I think our strategy has always been to get in and get out and uh, instead of really I think if you wanted to acclimate really to it you have to be there quite a long time you know maybe even a month. Yeah, true. That's a good point. What would you say is an area of the industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? That's a hard question. I mean, there's, I think one thing great about our industry is nowadays there's just so many aspects of it that people can make a living in. You know, there's, there's the obviously riding and teaching, stable management, Grooms have a good career these days. There's the vet, the farrier. There's the, you know, horse massage person. Yeah. Puncture. And, you know, the, the media now has so many different outlets in the, in the equestrian world. And, I, and then and the governance of the whole thing. So I think that's, I think that governance is a big thing I have a passion for. I've been involved with it for a long time through the USEF and various committees and board of directors. And I think uh, that's something that a lot of riders don't like to take the time to do. And I think that's maybe something, especially now with the the board or the USOPC is now, and Congress is mandating that they have 33% athlete representation. So now we need, we need even more athletes to be involved with it that are actually going to put the time in. And uh, it's difficult. There's a lot of trying to keep track of what's going on and be informed about what you're actually talking about. And, um, and there's a whole lot of governance that goes into it. And I think yeah, people, people talk about it and it's easy to talk negatively about it, but I think when you're involved with it, you realize that it's not so easy. <laughs> totally. And, you know, if you're going to complain about things, you ought to get involved. And that's what I've done. Amazing. Yeah, I love that. What would be some advice that you would give to a young, maybe a junior rider who is looking to take on, you know, this career in this industry? What would be some advice that you'd have for them? One one huge big thing you have to do these days is manage your social media properly. I think, yeah. you know, I think that's one of the first things when somebody puts in a application or asks us for a job we we snoop around on their social media and look what try to find out what kind of person they are what they put out there and I think you know it it can make or break you a lot depending on what you put on there and the other thing is goes along with that and that's always to present yourself in in a good manner and try to make an impression on people that they they when people see you they think oh that's the type of person I'd like to have working for me and I think you know, a lot more opportunities open up to you that way. 
Definitely. What is this next? I know this past year has been very <laughs> different than most. <laughs> what is what does 2021 look like for you and what are some goals you have for yourself? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, hopefully the Olympic Games go and I hope to be able to make the team for that and be a part of that. But I hopefully will start out the year in Florida and have a normal, <laughs> typical Florida circuit. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll maybe be quite a busy, if it, if it all goes well, I think there's going to be quite a few people there because with more and more shows canceling in Europe, I think more and more people are going to try to come here. Right. So I just hope it doesn't get too overrun. And then possibly a World Cup final, if that happens. Right. Um, and then whatever qualification, you know, again, a lot of the Nations Cups in Europe have been a part of our selection system as far as having an observation events. So I think it's still up in the air whether we'll be able to do those too. Mm-hmm. So it, I think it, it's still a big question mark next year. <laughs> yeah. How does that, where does that leave you as far as what you are doing with your training program, with your string of horses, with so much up in the air, you want to make sure that you're really being strategic and that your horses are peaking at the right time. But with that giant question mark of when that's going to happen, it must, it must be a little frustrating. It is. It is. I think we ended up having a nice schedule this summer. We tried to, we started in Tryon and spent five weeks there because we didn't know, you know, we didn't want to do a lot of traveling around to different hotels and things Mm -hmm. like that. So we got settled in there and we have houses that we rented and we had our own barn aisle and they did, you know, it was excellent. And then, you know, we ventured out and did, I think, one week in Saugerties and then three weeks in Michigan. And then we were back in Tryon for like four weeks. So we ended up, our goals were to, I have, we obviously have some students that needed to get to horse shows. And then I had my horse, Garant, who's nine years old. I was hoping to get some more uh, experience in over bigger courses for him which you know with all the five stars canceling was a little bit of a challenge but he did get a couple four stars in and now Wellington has added some two four stars now in in November and December so he's going to go down for those as well and then I have a little bit more experienced horses and Brightling was probably the most difficult to schedule because he you know he doesn't really need to do that many two stars and three stars and yet he's old enough at 14 now that I didn't want to just leave him not doing anything either because mm-hmm. then it's difficult to start up again so he got spotted into here and there and then Chick in the Hiram Court my he's the gray horse I show and he is I think 11 this year so he's had a bit more experience so he did all those shows that I talked about and then now he has a break until probably beginning end of January or something like that. So he's just going to get hold, hold off and be ready to go next year, hopefully for some bigger shows. Awesome. Amazing. Well, I'm excited to watch. Hopefully I get to see you in Florida sometime this winter, but I thank you so much for taking the time and I wish you all the best. Thank you. I hope to see you there. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.